Welcome to Songs and Stories, the Not For Musicians Only music podcast. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. My name is Michael Gaither, and this is podcast number 14 we're up to. If you heard podcast number 13, the Half Dumb Hike and the song Still Walking a week or so back, you'll notice the strange omnipresent hum that was plaguing my microphone doesn't seem to be here this week. To be honest, I have no idea why. It's the same microphone, the same set of cables, and the same interface box. Sometimes things work, sometimes machines are evil. Uh, in the case of this week, it seems to be working fine. If you're new to songs and stories, uh, I wanted to mention that the, the, the theme song you hear at the beginning of this and at the end of the show is from my song Jack of All Trades off my CD Spotted Mule and Other Tales. And the guest on this episode of Songs and Stories couldn't fit the title Jack of All Trades any better than singer-songwriter, fingerstyle guitarist Stevie Coyle of The Waybacks. If you look back on his bio, Steve Coyle uh, traveled with the Royal Liechtenstein Circus. He emceed killer whale shows at Marine World years ago. Uh, he was a stand-up comic back in the back in the '80s. In fact, with um, Roy Zimmerman, another singer-songwriter slash comedian, they toured as the Reagan Brothers, doing political and contemporary comedy, uh, both doing Ronald Reagan impressions at the same time. And um, more recently, he's been with the Foreman, the Frontman, and these days he's with a band called the Waybacks, which are about as good as an acoustic band ever really needs to be. If you ever get a chance to see the Waybacks, you must go. In fact, when I was kind of going over the background on this interview, I remembered that one of my favorite shows in recent memory was, I know it's probably going on three years ago now, but there was um, a show at the Rio Theater in Santa Cruz, the opening band was a local band called The Devil Makes Three, a young band, a stand-up bass, two guitars, kind of a not bluegrass, not folk, not rockabilly, but kind of all a mixture of all that with sort of a punk influence. And they were opening for The Waybacks, which are just an incredible band. So we had this this young band that was just sort of starting out, but still really knew what they were doing. And they were it was an incredible show. They could they in fact they headlined these same theaters now two years later. And then we had the Waybacks, which were a bunch of guys at the top of their game doing the same thing, only you know light years ahead of anything you're probably going to see. So um, Stevie's a member of that band. He also tours by himself, does solo shows, and um, I saw him I think March of this year doing a solo show in Gilroy, California, I talked to him and said, well, I'm starting this podcasting. You want to talk sometime? And he said, sure. So we traded phone numbers. We bounced emails back and forth. We became friends on MySpace and messaged back and forth there. I never quite was able to seem to hook up. And then finally, it might have actually been June when I talked to him, if not July, he did a solo show at Don Quixote's Music Hall up in Felton, California, which, by the way, my band is playing on October 18th, if you're in the area. And we had a nice long conversation about the Waybacks and how he got into playing fingerstyle guitar and some of his favorite songwriters, but not before we spent a lot of time reminiscing about Bay Area comedy back in the 80s, because really back in the 80s, who wasn't doing stand-up comedy, or so it seemed? Because I'd forgotten Stevie Coyle had done um, the Reagan Brothers in his own stand-up comedy with Roy Zimmerman, so we got off on this long tangent about whatever happened to people like Tree that should have been huge stars and to be honest, the two of us found it very interesting. I hope you do as well. 
I also want to remind you that to go with this podcast, if you go to my site, michaelgather.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com, there are notes to go with this podcast which describe the show and also include links to some of the things that we'll mention in the interview. Look for the Songs and Stories notes for podcast number 14, Stevie Quill of the Waybacks, and you'll find the links that go along with this chat. So before we get to talking with Steve, I want you to hear a little bit of his songwriting prowess as well. Here's a little bit of a song called Petrified Man from the Wayback's latest CD, From the Pasture to the Future, and then we'll get to our chat with Steve Coyle. You can tell it to your mama, you can tell it to your diary. Another man done gone, another man done set himself free. I took the money and the funnies and the Gibson left the TV on. Selena's got a thumbtack into Hatchapee Let my soul stealing, devil dealing, old life go to rust A battle cry, wave goodbye, leave my demons in the dust Petrified man. petrified man, petrified man, come be astounded by the petrified man, petrified man, petrified man. I put on some Bobby Dylan so I would not feel so all alone. It was classic. He had absolutely no sense of rhythm. Oh gosh. But he was enjoying it, and when we were done, he goes, one more, one more, in the crowd, and the guy goes, all right, do one more. But somebody very said, good. Yeah, so it was very That's bad. a fair trade. The it's a fair trade. Poor yeah. white guy that can't clap the time it. and take it. gets you an encore, and that's fine. You know, people that didn't know us, that liked the music. Did you record it? Did you record your show by any chance? I didn't. Ah. It's the one it's always the way. It is. I know. I've, a one good show. Yeah. You know. That's the thing. So. So I'm talking to Stevie Coyle, and it's nice to see you someplace besides MySpace. How about that? We've been yes. emailing back and forth for months. and Yeah. The virtual realms are right. limited in there. It's, it's like MySpace is not just for kids anymore. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that should be their slogan. Well, if I understand correctly, it was originally for musicians, and the kids took it over. Is that yeah, the way it happened? I think so. In fact, I put up my page a while back, and a friend of mine said, aren't you and guys like Slake leaves about 25 years too old to be on MySpace? No. No. The answer is no. No, no it's, you know. I'm, I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do with MySpace, you know, once I've collected all of my friends. <laughs> They're like uh, bubblegum cards. They are. What do, you, what do you do? You can't, you know, other people have them too. How are you yeah. going to trade a slate cleaves? Right, you know? right. Everybody's exactly. got a slate cleaves well, if they got half a half a mind at all. Yeah. You know, so. Making your top friend. <laughs> That's right. Well, my top friend never responds. You know, I that must be to Tom. Tom, you know. I wrote him with a little problem. Never heard from him. No. Top he's, friend. He has too many friends to keep in touch with. Slut. <laughs> 
I saw a shirt that said, Tom is my only friend. <laughs> and I got a really good friend named Tom in Sacramento. I got to just like take it to Strawberry and wear it. That's a great idea for that t-shirt. You bet. You bet. We saw one the other day. I had to laugh. It uh, said, I am the man from Nantucket. I thought that was uh, good. terrific. It's about time he introduced himself. That's right. You bet. She's going to walk right into the door again. That's you know, fine. It's part of the routine there. Um, this was normally this is normally about a ten minute chat, but I was going over your bio and how do we cover it? Yeah, it's 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 really colorful. How do we go from the Royal Lichtenstein Circus to MCing killer whale shows at Marine World? I'm assuming. Yes, precisely right. Um, to the Reagan Brothers with was that with Roy? Roy Zimmerman, exactly. He and I were the Reagan Brothers. Is that back in the era of Patty Morrissey and Ratmaster Ronnie? Was that kind yeah, of that era? Yeah, kind of in that era. But, you know, we did, the stuff we did was, you know, arguably political, but it was had nothing to do with Reagan. Right. Whatsoever. There were just characters Absolutely and they were nothing. funny. It was a funny name. We liked the name Reagan Brothers. Yeah. So that's who we were. That's good. But it was nothing that was particularly political. We tried to be topical. Roy's music is always fairly yeah, topical. Yeah. Nothing that, that uh, had much to do with the Reagan administration at all. And that was during the great comedy scare of the mid-1980s, where every place in the world had uh, was a comedy venue. You know, you put up a microphone. You had to put up a brick wall. That was a lot. And the brick wall. You had to put up a brick wall in most cities. You did. You did. And now that brick wall is being used by bands Uh to have their photographs taken in front of. And in fact, we were. Somebody told us the other day. I have yet to suss it out, but on the uh, on the interweb there somewhere, there's. A website that shows lots of really bad band photographs taken in front of a brick wall. Oh, that'd be funny. I guess yeah. I gotta find that. It's a great idea. And if, if I find it, I'll put it on the podcast notes for this show, Very so good. we can there you we go. can get it out there for the people. You think of everything, Michael, because that's important. It is. Yeah. That's it. That very same brick wall. The first comedy gig that Roy and I did together was at the uh, Livermore Airport, and it wow. was uh, the mic stand for that show. They they had a microphone, but they didn't have a stand. <laughs> so I thought, well, comedians always hold the microphone. We were playing music. Stands like ten bucks. You wouldn't invest that kind of money into a club. Ten bucks, man. You know, somebody could steal it. So we made a stand <laughs> out of a uh, out of a mop handle stuck in a bucket with duct tape. <laughs> that's good. that's comedy, baby. <laughs> that's gonna be you know. That's good. We need a photograph of that. Oh, I wish we had. Yeah, that you was never did like good. the 94th Aeroslider in San Jose. Did you ever make it down that far? Oh golly, yeah, we played that place. I'm did sure you really? Did. Sure, with all the planes. We probably bumped elbows because back then, you know, everybody was doing stand up. It, it was. It was endemic. You couldn't yeah. take a step without tripping over a, a comedy show. Because I did it for about four years. Did you really? Then? Yeah. Oh, how about that? That and I did. I mean, I never. It was. Basically, it got me into writing, got me over being shy. But it was like everybody was a stand-up comic. That's right. You know. That's right. Yeah. There was some. Did you see? Do you remember uh, Tree? Was Tree working? Yeah. I thought Tree was a riot. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. You know, I think he became a. Uh, I think he became like a politician or a mayor or a that's congressman scary. or something. You know, I can't remember his. Actually, that's the guy who wouldn't take any crap from anybody as a oh. politician. That's right. He was about seven foot oh, he was, fourteen. He was bald. Came player. out in a came out in a leather leather pants and leather jacket and yeah. put on this. Oh, he was wonderful. He's very funny. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget the way he concluded his act after he did a whole very sort of this huge man doing a very sort of fay right, right dog training act and the you know something about it, it was. Uh, who was on PBS at the time, the dog training gal, you know, walkies, walkies. He did this whole thing about that. And then at the end, he'd growl, uh, my name is Tree, you're welcome. I thought that was a great way. Everybody says, hey, I've been, you know, Joe Batifsvik, thanks a lot. You know, I'm Tree, you're welcome. 
Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah it's, there were so many people that you thought were just going to shoot up, but it's 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 you know it's talent plus luck. Exactly right. And timing exactly and all right. that stuff. Sure. Chris Titus. Yeah. Was uh, I? I never did see his television show, but he did very well. It was well very good. Scene. It was very. It was very yeah, yeah. scene. Yeah. And he's still doing. I saw him at the. the um, we should do a comedy podcast. Sure, I guess. We'll just, um, we'll, that just tra- we'll just trade names. We'll just talk for half an hour. Sure. Um, Titus, I saw him a couple of times live, and it was more like a one-man show than a comedy routine because it was so rooted in his dark family history, yes, and it was right. funny, but it was just—it was so well written. Yes, he—he he was good. I remember him uh, being certainly doing something at least slightly different from from the rest of us. Right. He was good. And uh, Rob Schneider, of course, right. did do he, a whole lot of stand-up around here, but did rather well for himself. He I'd did the say. best Dead on Elvis I've oh ever seen. Oh my gosh, absolutely tiny Elvis for that, yeah. that, that character became. Later. He's the only guy that ever did Elvis on a fishhook. That was a shtick. Remember? He goes, "This is Elvis on a fishhook," and he put his finger in his mouth and he like yes. turned his head sideways. God, that's right. Oh, there's a there's a synapse that hasn't fired in no. 20 years. Thank you. <laughs> How about that? So did you tour as a comedian? We did a little bit of touring. We did. The, it was always uh, a duo. It was a duo. Yeah. Right. Our, uh, we did the Reagan Brothers, and we had another name before the Reagan Brothers. I forgot what it was. But we did a lot of cabaret stuff in San Jose. Uh, Roy had written a, a show called The Up that was really quite popular, uh-huh. and then it was Up the Up, which uh, with uh, Schneider played. Uh-huh. And uh, but then we st- when we did comedy, it was. The Reagan Brothers, but then we did, uh, when that went the way of all flesh, we did uh, kind of a half comedy, half tribute folk group called uh, The Foreman. That's and yeah, and that faded yeah. away. And right. but then Roy re recast the, the whole front thing. Man, right? Well, no, that was that was a different thing altogether. Oh, okay. He, there was the second version of the Foreman that actually did quite well. They ended up on Warner Brothers, and they, uh, I think, they did okay. a Democratic National Convention one year, and huh. really kind of made a name for themselves. And since then, Roy has been doing lots of stand-up by himself. Right. Very very funny man, and he's all over YouTube. There's he's oh, okay. posted a few of his. His bits on YouTube, and they're getting lots and lots of commentary. Of course, the stuff on Jerry Falwell. He's got a wonderful song called "Jerry Falwell's God." That's just a riot. All the gods are having a cocktail party, and people are bummed out because, oh no, here comes Jerry Falwell's God with all the smiting and the hating <laughs> and the anger. He's always so upset, and he's kind of psychotic, really. So he's got all these very, you know, political and religious things. Mm-hmm. The thing that is really driving people crazy over there, and it's just a huge controversy, is a song that he has called "If the Beatles Were Irish." The I've never heard song, of It's a riot. He just takes all of the, the Beatles songs that are in 6-8 and plays yeah. them jig time. <laughs> Picture yourself in a boat on a river with, with a funny, you know, really bad, faux, uh, you know, Irish accent. And some, some people are upset with the accent. Some people are upset that it's racist somehow. Some folks are saying it's not funny because the Beatles are sacrosanct. You right. can't make fun of the Beatles. And uh, all I of these I think it's right because it's in 6-8 time anyway. So why not do some step dancing to it? Precisely right. That's the way he figures it. Yeah. You know, let him know. It's already done. You know, it is. Like, it's all done. You just have to play he's, it. He's a not little. really even doing a parody. He's just no, playing it's not it at a tempo. tempo. He's playing it at tempo. It's the way it was. It's, it's the way it's in my music book. If the Beatles could have played it that way, right? They just couldn't play fast. They, they just weren't that good. They, there you are. I think yeah. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> yeah. I can edit this later. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, actually, if I put Beatles suck on my webpage, it'll probably get some hits. So oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. And then a link to If the Beatles Were Irish over yeah, on YouTube. Exactly. Like that. That's good. That's good. So, you, And where did Fingerstyle Guitar come in? 
Do you know think the whale training in the? Oh, it, actually, the fingerstyle took a bit earlier than that. It was yeah. uh, it was really that first um, that first hot tuna record. Okay. That really lit me up, and a bunch of other fingerstyles. We all owe it to Yorma Kalkinen and that first mm-hmm. hot tuna record from '72, I think. '72, I believe. And uh, we all sat there playing, you know, at the time called the drop the needle, you know, mm-hmm. the phonograph record, just yeah. trying to learn the thing over mm-hmm. and over. No way to loop it. Just <laughs> right. pick it up, drop it, pick it up, drop it, start it over. And we all learned hesitation blues. And that was, you know, there's a whole slew of us middle-aged guys playing figure-style guitar because of that record. Wow. And this was a record that uh, came home with my dad. My dad was, uh, for years and years, the uh, he was the first guy to take um, a radio station full Spanish back mm-hmm. in the 50s. <clears throat> the very first guy. And, it, you know, look, in retrospect, of course, it seems like a natural. You know, there you are in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. huge Hispanic community, Spanish-speaking community. Nobody was doing it. And he was working uh, as a salesman for a, uh, a radio station that was really kind of going down the tubes. And he said, what the hell? Let's, uh, you know, let's give it a try. Let's mm-hmm. go full Spanish. And it was very successful. But that meant that, you know, in those days, uh, all the r- radio stations got everything every record company put out. So there were all these records that no longer fit the format. My dad br- brought those home to us, my brother and me. So we got turned on to all kinds of cool stuff out of that. Because he, he got literally everything. He got everything. Yeah. He got everything. And I got turned on to uh, a John Fahey record first that he brought home. And then some Sandy Bull, and then I was in a conversation with somebody a couple of years later and said, oh, have you heard John Fahey? Have you heard Sandy Bull? I said, yeah, have you heard mm-hmm. these guys? And I said, uh, no, Hot Tuna, really? And one got the record, and that was the beginning of the end, all yeah. the, the strumming, you know, seeds, but it, it certainly got shunted off in yeah. a corner and the fingerstyle took over. So that was really the beginning of that. Low these 30-odd years ago, uh-huh. 34, 35 years ago. And jumping ahead, how did the Waybacks come together? Because the Waybacks are back. Except not tonight, but the Waybacks are back. They're, they'll be back. They'll be back. There's always another Wayback show. Yeah. Um, Check the webpage, folks. Sure thing, waybacks.com. We just got back from a tour of, uh, we were in, started in Kansas, went through Tennessee, um, Virginia, the Carolinas, Georgia, back to Nebraska, and home all in two weeks. And we're home for a little bit. We go up to Oregon for a day this weekend. Where are you playing in Oregon? Jacksonville, Oregon. The uh, the Brit Festival, okay. it's called. So we'll be there for a day, and then we come back, and then we have some local shows. But the, the Waybacks, I wish I got to make up some kind of cool beginning for the Waybacks, because it, uh, it's just the way most bands get together. You know, guys play in a group. Some guys drop out. Some guys come in. You know, everybody yeah, yeah. kind of that plays month, around. That's, yeah. that's who it is, yeah. And uh, I had been playing with uh, uh, this fellow, Rory McNamara, a wonderful mm-hmm. singer and, and uh, player, uh, and we were called the, the front men, no relation yep. to, the, to the foreman. Mm-hmm. We were called the front men, and then uh, Rory decided to, uh, to start another family. He had one half-grown daughter, mm-hmm. and they had another one, and so his time became uh, more about being with the family. And so I started doing some solo stuff, the fiddler, that we had at the time, and I started doing some duo stuff. He had been involved with bands uh, previously that were electric and bigger and had drums and whatnot, and it was just this mix-and-match thing involving people from 20-odd years ago. Mm-hmm. We ended up with a trio, myself and Chojo Jacques. Right, and Glenn, probably Chojo, yeah. Glenn Pominek. Who lives up, uh, right up the road. He's right up the road here, yeah. exactly right. 
so the three of us were the Waybacks at first, mm-hmm. and then we added, uh, started playing with uh, Peter Tucker on drums and a few different fellows on bass, and then Chris Key became the, the bass player. Mm-hmm. Glenn stepped out of the band to play electric with uh, another group, because he's a fearsome electric guitarist as well as acoustic. The very next day, we ran across James Nash okay. up at um, in Brisbane at uh, DeMarco's 23 mm-hmm. Club, and uh, we looked at each other and said, hmm, Glenn just left. This guy's awful good. But I wonder if he plays mandolin, and I wonder if he uh, if he plays acoustic, because we were watching him play like And kind of sings. Kind of sings. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He said, yeah, yeah. I said, you got a gig Friday night. Come on by. We're playing Plow on the Stars. So, uh, you know, it was a long time. It was just, you know, us three and, and Peter, and then Chris Key became the, mm-hmm. the regular drummer. We didn't even have a name for a long time. And finally, we walked into the Plow one night, and the owner said, no, 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 you're not coming in here. I'm tired of answering the effing phone. And people, and people said, who's on tonight? Well, it's Stevie and Chojo and Blatty. He said, go get a name. You know, go across the street. I think he even gave us 20 bucks. He said, go across the street and uh, have some pizza, have a bottle of wine, and come back with a name. And oh. so we thought for precisely 20 seconds, said, yeah. oh, tonight will be the Waybacks. But that night happened to be a particularly good night. And I think the press was there. I think the Chronicle was there. And they wrote us up. And so the name stuck. It's catchy. And for me, when I first heard the band name, it took me about five seconds to want to go, well, Peabody and Sherman. See? Some for some folks it's Peabody and Sherman. For other folks, it's uh, we played Australia. We did a tour oh. in Australia. In Australia, there's the Outback, and then there's the Waybacks, which is even beyond the Outback. The, for some folks, a Wayback is a really long fly ball. For mm-hmm. other folks, the Wayback is so it's that got, spot. It's got very many. Oh, absolutely meetings. tons. In fact, the, most people, for a lot of folks, it's either that rear-facing seat in the old station wagons, mm-hmm. or that place behind the back seat in a Volkswagen Bug. That was the way back. You had to sit in the way back. That was somehow behind the the rear seat somewhere. And then the generation that just watched too much television, so I thought a Peabody. That's oh no, that's that's it for a lot of folks too. And I have I could not begin to tell you where we got it from. Maybe from Peabody and the Wayback Machine. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, it's a name that just it's it's, it's stuck. It's simple. It's catchy, and a and lot it of people. And turns up in conversation a lot. That's you know, good. People say way back when you know, and they say, oh, speaking of which, have you ever heard of the way back? So we were much cleverer than we thought, Michael. What I'm saying. It's great when you're clever and you're not trying. I love that. Because if you try, it's just, you know. <laughs> There's a very fine line between clever and stupid. There is. And great men have said that before. That's right. Exactly. That same great man. Yeah. Um, what was I going to ask you? Are you? So you're doing? Are you doing more solo stuff this this lately, or just kind of? you kind of always mixed? I've it always up? mixed solo stuff yeah. in with whatever else I was doing. I saw you play three months ago in Gilroy. Well, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes, of course, yeah. of course. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's just nice to keep your chops up between sure. uh, tourettes. We don't do kind of big long tours. We do uh, kind of you know two weeks is about as long as we typically do, and often it's just out of a Thursday and back on Monday, mm-hmm. especially during festival season. This time of year is festival season all over right. the country, and you just do what it takes to get so to you the hit weekends and hit festivals. Yeah, yeah, and tie in as many you know uh, venue gigs along the way as mm-hmm. you can. You know, so you gotta pay for gas. You do, oh my gosh, you bet. That's that's what you got to pay for is gas and rooms and airfare yeah. and, and us too. If there's anything left over, we get we get a little bit too. So. Yeah. How was strawberry actually? You know, my wife said it was her favorite. Really? Was, All right. Um, you guys are overdue for a trip up there. Tell me about it. Yeah. It's true. It was um, perfect weather. It was it was. I think it was one of the most eclectic. Festivals I've been to in a long time. That's what I heard. Which really pisses off a lot of people, but I just 
you bring we want it acoustic on. music. Yeah. That's not well. well the the headliner on Friday was Michael Fronte and Spearhead. He's terrific. And it was just like it was it was it was uplifting. It was great music. Oh, he's and, tremendous. But know. I heard there was grumbling about him. Yeah. I, I knew it when the, from the first note it was going to kind of clear the meadow. Yeah. You know, and it, about half and half. Oh my gosh. But we we I stayed. Think he's just terrific. Yeah. We saw him in Kansas. I'd never seen him before. We saw him in Kansas sort of the week or two after. Mm-hmm. Just real recently, and I thought he was absolutely out of place, rocking. He was wonderful. Yeah. And then Utah Phillips was back, and it was mm-hmm. and Tim O'Brien headline. It's always good yep. seeing Tim. Sure and, thing. And there was a and well, my wife and I've been going for I don't know twelve thirteen years now. And the thing is always, who's going to be the new band we quote-unquote discover? Oh, yeah. Who was the buzz band? Well, and the thing I like about it, in, in camp, we, we adamantly disagree about who's good and who sucks. We completely Excellent. disagree, which is, which is half the fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So there was a band called Gandalf Murphy and the Slambovian Circus of, of Dreams. Dreams. Yeah, we played some shows with those guys. Yeah, I actually interviewed Josiah mm-hmm. and put cool. that up on my site. And um, just great band, great writing. I take those guys a lot. Eclectic as heck. Yep. Yeah. That was the one I came away with really liking. That's right. Yeah. It, yeah, the uh, the calcification of music is always to be resisted, I think. You know, and, yeah. And when you have a tremendous opportunity like Strawberry, get out there and listen to it. Yeah. You know, there might not be a banjo in there. There might not be an acoustic guitar, but There's gonna be some, give it a shot. Charlie's not going to hire slouches. No. True yeah. fact. Yeah. True fact. He doesn't hire people that suck. That's kind of the Strawberry way. That's right. <laughs> that was, in fact, that's that's the, the complaint in February. That was the complaint about uh, Hardly Strictly Bluegrass. I heard this one kid say, what this festival needs is more bands that suck because I can't decide who to go see. Yeah. You know, it's like five stages. It's too many options. It's too many options, exactly. Yeah. So. Are you guys playing again this year at Hardly Strictly? We're waiting to find out. It looks like we probably are. Good. The Good. Uh, ink is not dry on the line, so I'm yeah. not at liberty to it's say It's a few yes. months away. It yeah. is. It's still, you know, non-disclosed. Uh, let me ask you a couple of more things. I know because sure. you got a you got a show coming up in ten minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that me that has a show coming up in ten minutes? You and this guy Walter. Is that right? So, All right. This is supposed to be a song. I mean, I love the, I love talking about stand-up because nobody knows names like Tree, oh, Teddy Tree. Morrissey. Sure. This is great. Uh, what are your songwriting influences? You, I mean, because I, I got a buddy who writes for the the, the Sacramento. He's a features editor, and he said, I asked him, what do you think of, what would you ask Stevie Coyle if you could ask? And he said, he seems like the most cerebral one of the Waybacks, and I think if he wasn't doing music, he'd probably be doing some kind of really in-depth, intellectual, witty writing. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. We can edit this part out. No, I'm glad. I'll just cut it out. uh, uh, (laughs) Something real funny. I don't know. very erudite. No, I, I've uh, I've always enjoyed writing, and I did uh, you know uh, used to uh, do bits and pieces here and there, and, I, and of course nowadays it's pretty much limited to the newsletter that goes out for the yeah. Waybacks and yeah. whatnot, but and and the occasional article for Acoustic Guitar Magazine, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, I love writing yeah. of, of all kinds and writing influences. Uh, you mean songwriting? Songwriting, which is probably all over the map as well. Gee, it really is, yeah, but. Pick two. Okay. Well, uh, two favorites. I'm not sure I'd consider them influences because uh, that would be terribly presumptuous. Or who do you look to as a good writer? Maybe oh, not uh, directly influencing what you do, but uh, Tom Waits is yeah. way up there on my list. Richard Thompson. Yeah. I think those two are. I think that's one and two. They'd have to duke it out for one. Right. Because I think they're both terrific. But they both take me places right away. I like writers that leave, that are uh, you know. Complete it yourself, you know. They, they assemble it yourself, writers. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't lay it all out for you. There's a missing piece that you get to put in. You get to put in that last puzzle piece, mm-hmm. and that's the most satisfying thing. And that's where the real sense of contact comes from: is the unspoken mm-hmm. bits that come through. You know, uh, 
and I like Waits and Richard Thompson for yeah. for both of them for precisely that reason. A huge Tom Waits fan. And uh, I think one of the songs of I thought you probably wrote Petrified Nan. Oh, yeah. The first time I heard that song, it's it's funny, it's clever, and I love anything that, that mentions circuses and sideshows and oh, good all, for all you. that visual yeah. imagery. But you listen to it more, and there's there's a lot more going on in that song than just a guy in a, in a sight. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty dense. Yeah, you know, dense. I'd love to. It is. It's dense. Uh, there's. It just sort of fell out that way. That wasn't even. Uh, at, at the time, I was uh, taking walks around a, a lake almost every day, mm-hmm. and that song just kind of arrived. You know, it. Uh, it Those was a lot of work. Getting it. That's it. Exactly. You know. It, uh, I just got out of the way. It was mostly me saying, no, 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 stop thinking. Let it, let it pop out. Let it mm-hmm. pop out. And every day I'd have another line or two. And it's great when that happens. But it, it is. Isn't that a great feeling? Yeah. You know, that's uh, often I think courting the muse means being quiet and staying the hell out of the way. You know, yeah. Instead that, of that's good advice. being active about it. I think yeah. that's that works for me. It seems to to be the. When I was interviewing Josiah Longo, he said. Um, I was talking to him just He said that the ghost talked to him. And if you talk to the guy, they probably do. <laughs> I think there is a ghost or two that talks to those guys. Yeah. yeah. They're operating on several different levels that yeah. we can only uh, guess at. Yeah. But the idea of the song coming to you is great. Cause it's happened to me. It's happened, but usually I end up, I end up beating on a song and yeah. keeping the notepad out and writing down everything. But once in a while, when you kind of get a channel open, you start just writing down everything. Sometimes... A song drops into your lap. Absolutely. That's, sure thing. And that song yeah. has a lot of words that just drop into your lap. Do you know what? But I think that one probably uh, had, was percolating in the background for a long time because I had the riff yeah. for a long time and we were in pre production for that album with uh, Lloyd Maines. And I said, well, I got this little riff. I think it might be just an instrumental piece. Maybe we can jam on it, mm-hmm. you know? And he said, oh, he listened to it once. He said, oh no, there's a song in there. You've got to go write the song. So he sent you back to write some lyrics, or to find some lyrics, or wait for some lyrics. Exactly. Somehow lyrics must must be introduced here, and so I I just kind of went away, and they started coming, and they started coming. I said, Hey, Lloyd, you're right. You know, actually, I've started doing that with some other pieces, some bits, some instrumental bits that have lain around for a long time, thinking, Oh, maybe maybe there's songs in these as well, instead of kind of doing it all of a piece, which has been the way Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. It uh, that's that seems to be the the current fruitful approach is to take these these uh, tunes that have lain around for a long time and and see if some and some of them it does and some of them it doesn't but yeah. there's a, a tune that Walter and I are going to do tonight uh, that uh, the tune has lain around for a long time but the words just arrived very recently nice with the uh, and you've got a built-in open. melody so exactly there's yeah. the song you there it is shove words into it that's all you got to do Come on, yes. here's the, here, here, right. here, I'm playing this. <laughs> Do thing, honey. I did it just for you. Come <laughs> That's on. Right. Yeah, yeah. Give me some words here. Work That's with right. me. Work with me, people. It's true. Whatever it takes to get her to, to talk. You know? Exactly. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you, Michael. It's a My great pleasure. talk. All right. And good luck good. tonight. And Thank we'll you. see you next time in Gilroy or Felton or someplace equally as nice. Exactly. All the exotic spots that exactly. the Waybacks turn up. So there you have it. Stevie Quill, formerly of Marine World. These days he's with the Waybacks. A great songwriter, great guitar player, and it's funny because these interviews are sometimes are a bit of work to do research, but other times you get to hang out with someone like Steve Coyle and just reminisce about Bay Area comedy for half an hour. So it was a lot of fun. I appreciated this time, and I do recommend you check out the Waybacks and Stevie Coyle. Go to my site, look for the podcast notes for podcast songs and stories number fourteen. There are links to some Wayback CDs as well as their tour schedule. And please, you if you haven't seen the Waybacks, you're really missing something special. 
So once again, that's it for Songs and Stories number 14. My name is Michael Gaither, and I do want to remind you that, um, speaking of Don Quixote's again, my band, the Michael Gaither Band, will be there on Thursday, October 18th. It's our first time playing Don Quixote's, and we're doing this with a local band called Cooper Street as a benefit for the Felton Library friends. So if you could come out and support the library and support us, we'd really appreciate it. You can find more about that on my site at michaelgaither.com shows. And also, if you have any comments about this podcast, you can go to my site and leave a comment by clicking the Add Comment button for Songs and Stories number 14, or just send me an email, michael at michaelgaither.com. 